Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, welcome to the end of another week. Today we are going to be moving into a critique of the view that I mentioned on yesterday's episode. In our big topic, if you're just joining us, we are talking about whether or not we will have free will in heaven. And we've built a biblical case that heaven will be a sinless place, but also that it seems that we are free and that that will not change just because we die. So the question becomes, how do we harmonize those two ideas together in a way that makes sense? And we looked at two different views this week, one that sort of swings too far, I think, in one direction toward emphasizing our freedom to the point of being willing to sacrifice the idea that heaven will be sinless uh, and that they, they actually make a... They, they actually make it a real live possibility that sin could occur in heaven, which I don't think uh, you can get from a biblical point of view. The other view that we mentioned yesterday takes things all the way to the other side, saying that no, heaven will absolutely be sinless, but that freedom will not look like what we think it will look like. That freedom will not be truly free in the libertarian sense. In fact, they uh, go on, the uh, Senate In fact, the gentleman who wrote these articles, uh, Senate, Paul, and Tempe, actually say that they imagine that heaven will be a place where we have more of a compatibilist-type freedom. And if you are unfamiliar with that term, we did some episodes a few weeks back on the different kinds of notions out there about how human freedom works, determinism, compatibilism, and libertarianism. So the question is... Uh, what to make of this particular view that heaven will be sinless forever, but only because our actions are going to be constrained or limited in some way. And as we said yesterday, part of why this view is accepted is I think because people have this notion that in heaven, our character will be perfect. And I think that that is right. I think that we will have perfect character in heaven. But part of where they where people go in order to get there is that, well, I know that we'll have perfect character in heaven, but I certainly don't have perfect character now. So how do I get to be from a state of having imperfect character to having perfect character? And the answer that they take is that we will be made impeccable in our character by God, meaning it is not even logically possible for us to sin. Uh, In fact, to quote here, they say, doing evil must be impossible for the redeemed in heaven. Now, as a libertarian, I want to push back on that a little bit because if certain actions are impossible for me, if I don't have an actual alternative to do other than what I do, then I'm not free in a libertarian sense. My actions would be determined uh, to whatever extent that God would decide to determine them, and that would by definition, not fit what we mean when we say that we will be free in heaven. And they use an example in one of these articles that they say this, and I quote, 
For instance, consider the choice either to sing in heaven or to play the harp. If both these actions are consistent with the nature of heaven and one sees good reasons for engaging in both activities, then one's moral character needn't determine one's choice either way. If those are the kind of choices that that these gentlemen have in mind that we are going to be put before us in heaven, I, I honestly don't understand what their conception of heaven is. If my, my most meaningful choices in heaven are, do I sing in the choir or do I play an instrument? What in the world is going on here? Like, I can't really understand how they conceive of what heaven will be like, given all the biblical data that we just looked at over the last couple of weeks that says heaven will be a place where we're doing meaningful work, where we're ruling and reigning with Christ over a new creation forever. I don't think our choices are going to be limited to whether we want to play a harp or sing in the choir. Those aren't free choices, and those are just really pitifully small and insignificant, frankly, choices. Uh, if those are the kinds that they have in mind, then it's just then maybe it's a little bit more clear why I and others have a problem with this view. The other issue is that yesterday I raised the example that they gave of how they said that they cannot will to, say, torture a child, that their characters are developed to a point through sanctification where they they cannot will to do such a thing. And part of the critique that I raised yesterday is that I think that they are making a mistake in, in that they are conflating the idea that they will not do something with the idea that they cannot do something. And that's just simply not the same thing. For instance, I could say that I will not uh, take a pen and shove it into my eye. And that's true. I will not do that. But that doesn't mean that I cannot do that, that such an action is outside the realm of logical possibility for me. Of course, I could logically do that, but I will not. On the other hand, if I were to say, I will not jump off my roof and fly to the nearest gas station to get a drink, that's not really a proper way to say that either because I cannot do that. No matter how much I willed to do such a thing, I cannot do it. It's logically impossible for me. And so these are different kinds of activities. And the question of what they're raising, to use their example of torturing a child, does this fall into the category of something that they will not do or that they cannot do? I see no reason to think that it's logically impossible for any human being to not logically be able to do something that heinous because there are people who do stuff like this in our world. I think it's more a matter of saying, no, they will not do that. But saying you will not do something implies a choice because there's no logical impossibility here. So you're just simply choosing not to do something that you could do, but are choosing not to do. And so by, by framing it in this way and saying that, see, our characters will be such that we're just going to, that we will make good choices does in no way mean or imply that we cannot make other choices than what we will. They're just simply arguing that in heaven, we will not sin, but that doesn't follow that we cannot sin. And this is something I'm going to get into next week. I also am not a big fan of this idea that somehow we, through our own character development, make ourselves fit for heaven. I just don't find that to be biblically compelling. And in fact, I don't know how you square that with a doctrine like the atonement and justification, which teaches that we are made fit and righteous before God 
not through any of our own actions. We are made fit for God's presence because of the work of Christ on the cross and that our fitness for God's presence has nothing to do with our own efforts. And our sanctification does in no way contribute to our fitness before God. Our sanctification flows out of a life of humility and gratitude toward God for making us fit, even though we've contributed nothing to it ourselves. So I think that this is just a wrong-headed approach right out of the gate. And it's something that we kind of need to, to think about, though, because the question then arises, if we don't sort of make ourselves fit for heaven, then how is it that we will suddenly, upon our death, be in a state where we no longer sin? And as far as, uh, as, far as this case goes, if impeccability is true, if we are suddenly uh, made by God to be in such a way that we cannot logically sin, then there's really only three ways that that could be possible. Either we would have to become impeccable, like literally impossible for us to sin before we die. And so we would have to reach a point here on earth where we cannot sin anymore. We would have to suddenly, by God, basically be zapped and instantaneously made impeccable the moment that we die so that while yes we can sin right up until the moment we die as soon as we die and go to heaven we are now transformed into another kind of thing altogether where sin isn't even on the table for us or we would have to develop this character and sort of become impeccable over time after we die which is the vision of purgatory that Uh, some realms of Christianity hold to. Those are really the only three options. You either become perfect before you die, you become instantly perfect when you die, or you become perfect over time after you die. There's really no other option there. And so I think, though, there are problems with all three of those. And what I mean by that is to say that we just don't find anywhere in Scripture this idea that we become perfect here on earth. Paul talks in Romans 7 about the human struggle and that the issue is our flesh. Even though our spirit is now aligned with God and renewed, our flesh is still the old man. And that is a struggle that we will continue with as long as we have the flesh, which is as long as we are alive. So it seems obvious to me and to many other Christian scholars who would look at that and go, yeah, that's just not really a viable option at all. The next one is one that more people, especially on the evangelical side, accept. And that is this idea that when we die, we are basically zapped by God and made perfect in our character so that we can never, ever, ever sin again. I actually have a problem with this as well for some philosophical and theological reasons. First, you would have to look at an example of someone who never has the opportunity to develop character over the course of their life. And for for instance, the thief on the cross in scripture, or say a young, young child who is killed, whether it's in an abortion or say they die as a young child uh, growing up and who never gets an opportunity to sort of learn and develop this character. If they die 
and God just sort of fills up whatever character development is lacking in them, and now they're suddenly fit for heaven, then to me, it really sort of, it really sort of negates or cancels out any value that exists in you or I working on our own sanctification throughout this life. Because what's the point of that? If when we die, God's just going to zap us and make us perfect, then why work on our sanctification here in this life? What does that do for us? In fact, the the quickest way to perfect character once you become a Christian would just be to to die, and then God will take care of the rest. That doesn't seem to compute as far as I'm concerned, and I think it just leaves us with a lot more questions than answers. The other option would then, of course, be purgatory, and that is not a doctrine that you're actually going to find in the Bible. It's a doctrine that is extra-biblical in its origins, but I will say this, and this is the conclusion that I came to in my, my reading and research, that if it is the case that we are somehow made impeccable in our character after we die by God, I do think that purgatory is the least problematic of all the mechanisms that are offered out there for how exactly God would do that. Now, I'm not saying that I believe in the doctrine of purgatory. I don't. But I'm just saying that I think that it's the least problematic and it raises the least red flags if we are to believe that we become logically incapable of sinning after we die. Now, all that to say, the reason that I don't hold that view is because I don't happen to believe that we do become impeccable in our character after we die. I think just like now, we will remain forever peccable. That does not mean that we will sin. It just means that in heaven, there will be no logical impossibility for us to do so. In other words, heaven will be a place where we will not sin, but it doesn't mean that it's a place where we cannot sin. And next week, I'm going to dive into exactly why I think that's the case, and I'm going to make the case for it. So I hope that you will join me then, and I can't wait to dive into that with you. 